0: Yeah, so we're here in Kuta Lombok, and we met the other night at Nana's, Warung Nana's.
1: Best fruit on the island.
0: So, my story is about this time that um, I lived in a monastery that's quote unquote the most brutal detox regimen in the world. It involves a lot of ritualistic projectile vomiting. Yeah, let's go there. I'm a really cool person
1: Yeah, let's go there
0: Yeah, let's no, go there No, no, Yes
1: Let's go there How do we do it? Welcome to the season one finale of Yeah, Let's Go There, the podcast I'm your host, Jay Russell Mickelson And today we're going to hear a story from
0: Andy, Andy Hill
1: and this is a, a recent story this happened recently yeah
0: this only happened about 4 months ago this okay. was back in September how August old are you now? 31 so basically I was in kind of a heavy funk and I was in Phnom Penh the capital of Cambodia I got to the point where I was drinking extremely heavily just recklessly I'm a bottomless drinker
1: which means that
0: mostly just that you, you have to drink until like you pass out you try to time that so you pass out at the end of the day and not at noon sometimes that happens too when morning comes twice a day or none at all, as they say.
1: And this was not just a recent development for Andy.
0: I'd struggled on and off for for years and years with alcohol and stuff, but it had gotten to this crazy fevered pitch, and I was also eating a lot of Valium, like up to 100 milligrams a day sometimes, and it was just crazy. And like a bottle of Camaro whiskey or whatever, for three bucks. You know, like pacing across three dollar a night room floors with bottles everywhere and I was like I need to do something so I looked around the internet and there was this I looked for different like detoxes and clinics and stuff because I'd never done any of that back in the US you know
1: and in his research he found out about
0: this monastery outside of Bangkok
1: which is a day's travel from Phnom Penh and it
0: takes people in like you go live in this part of the monastery and you do like this really crazy herbal detox that involves a lot of vomiting and weird medicines. I was like, all right, sign me up.
1: He emails the contact for the detox clinic at the monastery, saying he wants to participate.
0: So she emailed me right back and said, "Okay, great. And um, I was there the next day. Andy's addiction was so
1: great that even though he volunteered for treatment, The moment it dawned on him
0: that this is going to be it. Once he entered the monastery. So I was like, oh, this is the last time I'm going to be able to just drink warm bottles of Chang at a bus station in the morning. And I had grass on me and I was smoking all the way up from the the country highway that I got off at, all the walk up to the monastery. I'm like creeping behind trees and trying to get as stoned as I can.
1: After putting the last ounce of drugs in his body, he does make it
0: to their entrance. And I go in and I'm just ragged. And um, there was this nun there, this Thai nun, and she's like, you're Andy? I was like, yeah. She's like, sit. So I sat at this desk, and then this monk came in, this old monk in brown robes. And then this nun that could interpret was like, okay, what are you here to stop doing? I was like, I'm here to stop drinking. She's like, not other drugs? No, not, not other drugs. She's like, crack? Heroin? Pills? She's asking because you have to take a vow for each
1: addiction you wish to rid yourself of.
0: And they have it separated so that it's drugs or alcohol or whatever. You kind of take a vow for what your thing is.
1: And Andy was willing to take this vow
0: for alcohol, but not anything else. So he tells the nun... Well, sometimes I like to smoke grass and sometimes I like to do acid and eat mushrooms because it can actually have like a, a good effect, like a spiritual effect. Yeah. And she's explaining this to this monk and I'm sitting there watching his response and he just kind of like raises his eyebrows and nods and frowns and says, okay... Then, as soon as they get your info, they take all your money and your passport and all your iPod and all that stuff. They block away in a room. And then you change into like these pajamas basically, like just a red shirt and red, like one size fits all trousers. And then you go into this area after that. It's like a large courtyard surrounded by their dorms. And there's about 70 or 80 people living there at any one time that are doing this program. And most of them are Thai, like 80% of them were Thai. So there are only about 10 or 15 foreigners. And of
1: them, only...
0: 10 other people who spoke English, a couple guys from the States, a couple guys from the UK, a couple guys from Europe, some Malaysians, a Kazakh guy, some Russians. And then the rest were all Thais. And they were all in there for ice. Yabah. Yaba is basically like the meth that's really common and popular in Southeast Asia. But um, all the other Western guys are mostly there for heroin and, like, meth. A lot of these guys are coming from Oslo or Glasgow or London to Thailand for the first time to go for specifically this. for this thing. Because this monastery, the name of it is Tom Krabak, which means cave of teaching.
1: And it draws some of the most hardcore,
0: long-term drug addicts in the world. These guys were shooting, like, anything possible that you could, like, into their arm. This is, like, a last-ditch effort for a lot of people.
1: So Andy is
0: shown to his dorm room, and... All the Thai guys are in one dorm. There's, like, 60 of them in there. And they just sleep on, like, big concrete slabs with, like, some just thin mats. She's like sleeping on the ground with a straw mat, you know?
1: Which, unfortunately, is a normal bed for many impoverished Thai families. But the foreign men... The Malaysians, the Westerners,
0: the Russians.
1: They have a separate
0: dorm with western styled beds. I'm just like agog at everything going on around me because I'm, I'm, I'm still like pretty high and I show up and I meet everybody and I see the cot I'll be sleeping on for the next however long it'll be.
1: The goal is to remain there seven days. And every day, the schedule is the same.
0: You get up in the morning at 4.30 when they ring a bell and you sweep the grounds okay. for like 20 minutes. And then you do quote-unquote exercises, which is like... Jumping jacks and running in place, and nobody really does it. And then at like five forty-five in the morning, you you sing the national anthem and drink the first the tea, and uh, it's supposed to be really good for your liver and kidneys and stuff. And this tea is what the whole
1: detox program is centered around.
0: You know that it's some pure, beautiful thing, and it's like the secret recipe detox tea. The monks like, like bless all the ma- ingredients, and it's this very ritualistic thing, and it's a secret recipe. But yeah, it tastes like dirt. <laughs> then at noon you go to a steam bath that's like brutal. All the guys wear a sarong and the girls still have their normal pajamas on. You get yourself really wet out of a big vat of water and then you sit in a sort of tile cinder block rooms and there's just all this herbal smoke and wood smoke going in and just filling the steam room. It's like more brutal than any. It's, it's almost as hot as human beings can like muster for too long probably. And you're sweating so much. You can't even see the guy next to you that's like touching you he's so close because it's so steamy and you just sweat your your balls off basically which is really good for detoxing then after that you have to sweep the grounds you do 20 minutes of meditation at like 10 o'clock every morning in a room with some buddha statues and stuff and then the rest of the day you really just kind of everybody just chills out and then it's like night and then lights out at like eight or nine but there's the
1: one part we skipped
0: the vomiting. It's part of the purge of being there.
1: And you have to do it during your first five days. So every day at three o'clock, everyone at Tom Kraba who's been in for five days or fewer, gathers in the courtyard.
0: There's usually 20 or 30 people vomiting together at any one time, and you're all in this big line kneeling in front of this concrete trough that's covered with an iron gate. And
1: all the other addicts come out as well to cheer you on.
0: And they've got bongo drums out and little cymbals and flutes. And they have this vomit song. And so all these Thai guys are playing all this music. And they clap and sing this song while you're doing it. And it's really like jubilant and celebratory and and, like encouraging. And then everybody else is like dancing and clapping. Like there was this Russian guy there that would come up to me and was doing this like Russian dancing right in front of me. So
1: they line you up in order of experience. The newcomers at the front of the line, veterans of vomiting towards the back. And if you show up late, too bad. You're last. And you do not want to be last. Because, well, we'll get to that. Once everyone's in order, you kneel down at the trough.
0: And they start up the music and then these monks come out. And one monk gives you a shot glass and you hold it and then the next monk has this glass bottle of this just really grimy looking medicine and it's just looks it's like greenish brown and like you can see flecks of all sorts of shit in it and it doesn't look like anything you want to ingest.
1: And the second monk pours that liquid into your shot glass
0: and then you shoot it, and it's so disgusting. I mean, it's just the most disgusting thing you can ever put in your mouth.
1: And next to each person is a giant bucket of water with a bowl floating on top.
0: So as soon as you shoot this medicine, you're already like, ugh. And then you hand the shot glass back to the monk and thank him, and then you start taking the bowl and the bucket of water and just chugging as much water as you can. And you just try to fill up your stomach as much as you can with all this water, just binge drinking the water. And then soon enough, like a volcanic torrent issues forth from your torso. And the way you're situated. You're practically shoulder to shoulder with these people that are vomiting. And it's not just a little bit of vomit. You have to keep vomiting until your your the vomit is like clear, because then that means you've gotten all the medicine out. Oh if it's still brown, then you'll feel sick throughout the day and probably vomit again.
1: And the monks are passing out the medicine one person at a time. It's not done in unison. That means that if you're last in line, the people at the front of the line have been going at it for a while, and you're getting to watch it all. So there are a whole
0: bunch of people vomiting many times together.
1: And while that's going on, all the rest of the veteran patients who've passed their five days of vomiting course already are cheering and shouting, trying to encourage and support all the vomiters.
0: I'd be there vomiting, and and they'd be like, Beautiful! Beautiful. Hell yeah, Andy. This is done in part because it's pretty scary going into it. It's like going into a weird initiation ritual. Nobody likes vomiting. No, nah, yeah, nobody. You'd be a weirdo if you were like okay about it. So, and some people, you know, some of like the like there was this British girl that was there and she just really dreaded it. But if you do if if it's done right, which most of the times I did it it was done right, then you feel quite elated afterwards. It's like a rush and you feel like exhausted and really good. I remember one time just vomiting this just overwhelmingly huge, you know, purgative amount, and this guy's just like standing there, he's like, you're gonna make me a happy man if you keep doing that, buddy.
1: You may be wondering to yourself right now, why would Andy or anyone travel from around the world to participate in this program above all others? A big draw for many addicts
0: is that it quickens the withdrawal process. So the agonizing process of being sick and going through withdrawal is expedited by all these activities. The tea,
1: which is a weak version of the same drink they use to induce the vomiting. And the, um, the steam bath and the vomiting
0: and the tea again throughout the day.
1: Andy went through his five days of vomiting, each day getting a little better at it. On day six... He became a cheerleader instead of a participant.
0: The rules are that you have to stay at least seven days. If you try to bust out before seven days, then you're, you didn't finish. I, I was there for ten days. So I did it, and it was all good. I vomited all the times I needed to vomit.
1: Well, he didn't just vomit. He also took a long, hard look into himself. He spent a great deal of his time there, confronting
0: his fears and dealing with you know what Carl Jung called the shadow um the dark side the the Mr Hyde to your Dr Jekyll how you you can't kill that and the shadow is like the repository of all the things you're ashamed of feel guilty about you know you don't present to the world necessarily but it's always lurking back there
1: and one of the ways Andy attacked the
0: issue was through visualization Every time I'm vomiting, I'm like visualizing the things within me that need to come out. That little fascist dictator that just wants the world to be the way he wants it to be and can't accept it the way it is.
1: But through this program,
0: Andy discovered... There's no boogeyman out there, you realize? There's nothing to be scared of. There's no demons or devil out there.
1: So Andy chose to leave on his 10th day. And choosing to leave is significant because once you leave, you can never come
0: back. If, if you successfully finish it or you try to run away and, and something fucked up happens, you can never go back and do it again. You can go back and hang out at the monastery, which is this huge <laughs> campus with amazing buildings and hang out with monks and stuff. But, but they, um, they don't allow... You can't go back in the detox zone and do the program and vomit and live in the dorm. and stuff. They don't want it to have, I think, the, the kind of revolving door yeah. and the easy in, easy out mindset of a lot it's of like, Western well rehab.
1: Well, if it doesn't work... Try it
0: again later. Yeah. I mean, there's no night nurses there, there's no sleeping pills.
1: Once you're there, they tell you, you get one second chance in life. And this is it. So, Andy's final day came, which meant it was time for him to take his vow.
0: And... With, like, the alcohol vow, you can choose to only take it for three years or up to five or ten years or life. Huh. So I chose to just take it for three years. Because for Andy... Three years is like a lifetime for me at this point. I've never gone more than six... I've never gone more than... Usually I was drunk every day, by the end of the day, you know. The
1: vow is done in Thai, and foreigners repeat the words after a monk to the best of their
0: abilities. And it roughly translates to... I vow to like the Lord Buddha and the universe and the sky and the air and the earth that I will not drink any alcohol for three years. And then there's there's a second ceremony you go through that's really, really beautiful. It happens in an open-air shrine just like this, except with statues of the Buddha and everything. And they give you a mantra. The mantra's written on a piece of rice paper. You're supposed to eat the rice paper within seven days. I didn't ask
1: Andy to repeat his mantra for us, but he did explain.
0: It's just like this magical sound that you can use to repeat to yourself like any mantra, you know, like like words of power, basically.
1: So then came time for Andy to leave. And this in itself is a huge challenge for everyone in the program
0: because they have to arrive via Bangkok and leave via Bangkok.
1: And many people fail this challenge miserably. For example...
0: One guy from Scotland showed up. He had, like, a wife and kids back home and a job schedule to keep to. And he blew five days just, like, running around with two chicks and a tuk-tuk, like, buying crack and whatever, yabot, ice and heroin, and just blew five days like that. And he he shows up at the monastery just clutching his stuff, like, wide-eyed, like, man, I really screwed that up. (laughs) Holy shit.
1: Another Russian woman Andy got to know left before
0: him and you know she's going right back to Bangkok where she knew like 10 dealers in her cell phone
1: so now it was Andy's turn to face this challenge
0: first you get all your stuff back you get to put on your cool clothes which are now all furry with mold (laughs) you know because they've been packed in your backpack in a room in, in the jungle.
1: But despite the mold, you're pleased because... You have an
0: identity again. Your own cute little separate identity. you know <laughs> I mean? And all the cute ways that you communicate that. Your cool shoes and yeah. you get your iPod and all this stuff.
1: Then he said his goodbyes and caught a bus into Bangkok. And he was downtown in a major city again.
0: Yeah, it's weird, like, walking into a 7-Eleven. Like, an air-conditioned, bright, neon-lit 7-Eleven. You know, it's just wall-to-wall, like, booze and (laughs) rum and sang psalm everywhere and stuff. And it's kind of weird to be back in in the real world, you know. But for Andy,
1: there was no temptation left. He explained it to me like this. He'd just gone through hell and back. Looked into the depths of his soul and returned. So then
0: battle against like drinking a beer would be like abandoning all the trouble you already went through. So in other words, I don't really, I don't deal with the desire to drink anymore.
1: At the time of this interview, Andy had been out of the program and sober for four months.
0: He told me. Now I have no problem. Like, we go out every night and I'm hanging out at fucking Surfers Bar and stuff. And it's like, I don't care. I just drink, like, soda water. But it's, there's absolutely, like, no issue with it.
1: And I checked in with Andy earlier this week. It's been eight months now. And he still hasn't sipped a drop. of Mystic Fool, which chronicles some of Andy's travels in Southeast Asia and struggles with alcoholism. I've read it myself and can recommend it, especially for travelers. It's a fun, easy read. I flew through it, and you can find it on Amazon for just a few bucks. Andy's currently living on Lombok, working on his Paradigm Water Project, which builds and distributes biosand water filters to people in need and writing his next book, Purge, which will be a far more in-depth version of the story you just heard. We played a lot of music in today's episode, and the song we heard most often was EO by Shelter One. By the same artist, we played a bit of their track titled Rivers. We also heard The Walk by Imposter. Mossback by Kanak, and Cuddy by T. This is the second time we've used music by T. a talented artist who creates public beats for others to rap over. The song you hear playing now is called Cliffhanger, which is also by Kanak. And in the introduction to every episode of the first season of Yeah, Let's Go There, we play part of a song called Harmonica Hop by the artist Penguin. Check him out at Pogway.com. If you go to our website, yeahletsgothere.com, you'll find links to all the music played in today's episode, as well as a free download of every episode of the podcast. And you can subscribe to the show on Stitcher and iTunes, also linked from our website. Yeah, Let's Go There is a one-man operation. I'm your host, editor, interviewer, and producer. If you like what you hear, could you leave a review on iTunes or at least give a rating? All that takes is clicking on a star. It's not hard. Open iTunes on your computer or smartphone and rate the show now. And sign in to Facebook and share a link to the website. In your post, you can tell your friends which is your favorite episode.
0: Tell your friend.
1: this completes season one of yeah let's go there stories from the season were collected during a year of travel through east asia tomorrow i'll be boarding a plane for quitos peru to begin another year of story collection this time in south america if you'd like to share your story or collaborate with or work on the show, anyone with sound editing and digital sound creation skills would be enormously welcome. Or you just want to talk to a traveler, email yeah let's go there at gmail.com.
0: You're heading back to the store!
1: <laughs> I'm Jay Russell Mickelson. Oh, I'll see you next year, for season two. I'm going there. You should come too.